What's up? Welcome back to another episode of 200 and Counting. I'm your host, Tia Hill, and this episode is our second episode of Pride Month. And I wanted to highlight another documentary. It's kind of a hidden gem. It's called The New Black, and it talks about the African-American community's reaction to, and specifically the Black church's reaction to the passage of gay marriage. Don't let people get you talking about gay rights. This is not about a gay right. There's a difference between civil rights and sacred rights. One of the biggest donors is pushing a strategy to drive a wedge between gays and African-Americans. Who has been the hardest hit in the issue of family? The African-American community. We were blasphemous enough to compare the gay movement with the movement for civil rights and black folks. Is gay the new black? Now, I watched this documentary for the first time years ago. It came out in 2013. It's directed by Yoruba Richin. And what particularly drew me to this is the fact that it's set in Maryland and it talks about the black church in Maryland. So the first time that I watched it, I spent the whole time being like, oh my gosh, am I going to see somebody I know? I hope I do not see anybody I know. But yes, it's set in PG County, Prince George's County, Maryland. PG County has a huge black population. It has the highest earning black population in the country. Maryland is full of uh, black enclaves. And, you know, I've talked about this before. I am from Maryland. Um, we pretty much all know this. I talk about it all the time. You know, I was pleasantly surprised that they picked the Baltimore DMV area to focus on. They go between, um, you know, up and down 95 from Baltimore all the way down to DC, aka the only parts of Maryland that we acknowledge, period. But it also makes sense going on the numbers and the culture of the area that this is what they choose to focus on. So this really hit home for me. I know this world very, very well. And I know the mentality of not all, but some people who are active in the church spaces like that. But I do want to give a caveat because I think religion is something very personal. So I'm not really going to go into that aspect of it. But I also think church is a great place for community and fellowship. Like I said, I grew up there and the music is amazing. But this documentary points out the other side that some church communities deal with and the attitudes that a lot of people do have. And there's all these unspoken undertones of how a lot of people in the church community really feel. So it came out in 2013, but it's set in 2012. And the backdrop of the situation is that Maryland had just passed this Civil Marriage Protection Act, which allowed gay couples to get married in the state. Good evening, everyone. Around 6.20 this evening, the Senate voted 25 to 22 in favor of that bill, and it now awaits the governor's signature. Passage along with the governor's signature makes Maryland the eighth state in the nation to legally recognize same-sex marriage. Martin O'Malley was the governor at the time. He passes this, and then all of a sudden they add question six to the ballot for the 2012 election in Maryland. And question six was a referendum that let people basically vote to overturn civil marriage protection, which is really so crazy because just at a basic level, like what does that have to do with you? Literally, like you can't just let people live, dang. Now, mind you, before all of this, Prop 8 had passed in California, which banned gay marriage. And a lot of people in the media started blaming black people for it, being like, oh, well, you know, black people, you know, they just hate the gays. Exit polls do show about seven in 10 African-American voters were in favor of this ban of gay marriage. Why do you think that is? It's not as though the African-American vote controlled or changed Prop 8. It took people of color across the board disproportionately supporting it, as well as plenty of white voters in uh, in California supporting Prop 8. This in itself is a wild thing to say because one, it erases all gay black people from the conversation. And a lot of that rhetoric comes from, you know, white queer people who are in mainstream media oftentimes are the face of the gay rights movement as far as everybody else is concerned. But also too, as they talk about a lot of that homophobic agenda that was pushed on black pastors and thus fed into the black church and the black community came from white evangelicals or politicians who are meeting with these faith leaders and being like, so how about those gays, huh? And there was a lot of funding, like straight up dollars being pushed by the evangelical right towards an anti-gay agenda in the black community. Thankfully, I don't think 
that I've ever been at church and heard a pastor straight up give a sermon that was like, gay people are bad, homosexuality is bad. But by pushing this agenda onto the Black church, they successfully created a wedge within the Black community between Black people within the LGBTQ community and the rest of the Black community. And a lot of what this doc does is focus on that and on the community work that this organization, the National Black Justice Coalition, was doing to mend this and bring people together again. It's not a matter of people not being aware. We live still under the guise of don't ask, don't tell. And as one administrator told me, we know, you know, your community's here. But don't you talk know, about it. Yeah, but why do we have to make a big deal about it? I right. said, it's a difference between knowing we're present and affirming, welcoming, and nurturing a population. The leader of the group actually says, this is the unfinished business of black people being free. And to the point of pastors being involved in pushing this rhetoric, something I found really interesting was that a lot of these black pastors who are working with the evangelical right, which side note, if you're not super into American politics, these are huge swaths of voters. Older folks are almost always in the church. I'm talking black Americans and also Africans, Caribbeans, Afro-Latinos, but specifically African-Americans, older black folks almost always vote. And they're almost always up in the church. So that's a huge voter base that politicians often want to appeal to. White evangelicals, specifically across the South and in the Midwest, that's another huge voter base that politicians often want to appeal to. And it's in the best interest of a lot of conservative political leaders to have these bases align on issues in the voting booth. Now, one thing they point out is that some pastors were given power. They were given these positions of influence in the U.S. government while also pushing this narrative back into their churches. Never mind whether or not they truly believed it. Never mind the damage that does to people who are in the church who are in the gay community. They're pushing, pushing, pushing this narrative either way. And this is not me coming for all pastors. There are some amazing, charismatic pastors and faith leaders who are truly doing the Lord's work. I'm not an atheist or anything, nor do I have anything against the church, but... I do have a problem when greed overshadows the true purpose of being a leader in the religious space. I do feel very passionately about that. If you're more focused on how much money you can make off something or what clout or recognition you can get and not on serving the people, that's us. That's us. The church are active, engaged, voting citizens in our communities and in our countries. These are folks that are within the church, but guess what? They're citizens in our state of Maryland. And for us, we have really looked at it and saying, marriage is more than about what any two adults want, but it's about the future and about generations. It's about really affecting the family and how we all come together and look at our culture. And we believe that we have a say in that. Throughout the documentary, they also have a lot of interesting conversations with people. And the woman who's the head of the organization, she's a woman of faith and she goes to church, but she's like, I am not with with that homophobic mess at all. And she was in this documentary having conversations that I've had with people before. I've seen my parents have with people before. You know, if you believe X, Y, Z in the Bible, then why don't you also follow this obscure law in the same way that the Bible supposedly tells us a man should not lay with another man. So it also says that you shouldn't wear clothes of two different materials. You shouldn't eat shrimp or shellfish that are also bottom feeders. Hard for people living in Maryland. You shouldn't eat anything with a cleft hoof, which I actually don't. But my point being, if you're going to pick one line to adhere to, you got to pick all the other ones too, then don't you? Or explain why you don't. And what breaks my heart about a lot of this rhetoric is that people will often just kind of like zoop, like zip up and be like, well, that's what the Bible says. So that's that. And what really breaks my heart about a lot of this rhetoric is that a lot of times when you talk to people about this, they'll just like zip up and be like, well, that's what the Bible says. So that's that. But people don't want to look at it from a human level or dive any deeper or think for themselves. I have a lot of thoughts on this personally, but I'm not even going to get into it because I, I do genuinely think that religion is something very personal, but I also don't believe that people should be able to dictate how other people live their lives or who they should or shouldn't be with. Like, that's really crazy. Even if, even if you genuinely believe all of that, cool, 
mind your business with it. If you choose to believe that, that's fine, but don't project that onto other people. The way a lot of folks make gay people out to be these perverted demons and that rhetoric, that idea oozes into other facets of society. So people start believing that it's abnormal, but then it's like, who really taught you to think like that? As it relates to black people specifically, that to me is where it gets interesting. There's a line in the documentary that really stood out to me and someone said, sometimes for people who have been trampled upon to feel powerful, there's this need to trample upon someone else. I was like, dang, that's so true because you know, black people, we've been through a lot, so much persecution in this country. You would think that people would then be able to apply that same logic to queer people or to trans people, but oftentimes they can't, or they want to feel like, oh, well, at least I'm not X, Y, Z. And like I said, for black Americans specifically, there's an interesting conversation to be had because a lot of times people try and pull the, oh, there's a gay agenda. They're trying to disrupt the black family unit. And there's a part in the documentary where the woman who's head of the National Black Justice Coalition, I believe, is the one who talks about how she thinks that this focus on traditional family values of the black community stems from damage done to the black family unit during slavery, which I totally agree with. Because for black Americans specifically, we tend to overlook all the nuances and all the messed up things that happened during slavery, like families being ripped apart. So this focus on the black family unit makes sense. I do get it. I do understand what people are saying when they say that but they're approaching it from a very myopic and painfully traditional viewpoint that isn't even really in line with our culture. Well, if question six passes, it becomes the law of the land and I don't know how uh, schools would prevent not making part of, uh, part of the curriculum. I think part of the challenge uh, and the way that it infringes upon our rights and what we believe uh, is, is best for our children within the community for which we live in. Don't redefine marriage. Vote against question six. I've also read a lot of social science research that talks about how black communities, POC communities, immigrant communities, a lot of marginalized groups in general tend to be more community oriented and collectivist in terms of what family structures look like. You know, black people, we got hella cousins. Everybody's a cousin. I have so many, I have so many cousins. It's crazy because we were put in a position where we had to reimagine what a family looks like because during slavery, we had fathers being ripped away from their families and sold, children taken from their mothers and sold, couples split apart or having to get married and jump the broom in secret. And so it stands to reason that when you suddenly and and, you know, reluctantly, mind you, thrust, quote unquote, freedom onto this group of people, they're going to want to squat up and build up their family units. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the idea that people being gay is somehow an attack on this family unit, it just doesn't track. It doesn't follow. It doesn't make any sense. The basis of that argument comes from this idea that, you know, if we as black people still need to build up our families, da 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 da, and we need a man and a woman in the house to make that happen, and the gays are going to come in and try to ruin that. Honestly, I don't, I'm not even going to explain why that's ridiculous, but I think we just know that that is a ridiculous statement. The documentary also goes back to slavery and talking about how the black community clung to religion to get us through that difficult period. And so obviously the church is a huge centerpiece in the black community. The church is also a really good place of community and fellowship, and it truly is the pulse of the black community in a sense. Like I said, I mean, I grew up in it and it's great. Like I said, the music banging. It's honestly a wonderful time. But the doc explains that as great as it is, why is it being used to widen this disconnect within our own community? Why are we being forced to pick sides and to choose? I thought this was an especially relevant topic, not only because of pride, but also because earlier this year when Lil Nas X released that song Montero, Call Me By Your Name, remember that song chopped the charts and it had that whole music video with Satan da 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 and him being gay and people were pissed. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me in the morning. And there was a lot 
of discussion from him and from other queer black artists being like, why is the black community coming at him for being gay? Why are people blaming him for exposing kids to explicit music when there exists a whole treasure trove of explicit ass rap music that's topping the charts right now? And trust me, I know because I'm the one listening to it. There's this holier than thou mentality that everyone suddenly pulled out for an openly gay artist that other male artists aren't given. And that's just one small example of how these kinds of politics play out within the black community and on a larger scale. What's wild is they show people literally going to events and handing out flyers that are anti-gay marriage. And that is so embarrassing. And what's funny is, so this was set in Maryland, da da da, 2012. The only part of this I remember, and I remember because I tweeted about it, in 2012, which is when this was filmed, I remember driving by like my mall or something and people had their stupid little signs being like, oh, but something anti-gay marriage. And I remember tweeting being like, what the fuck is this? And I remember being so mad about it because honestly, you're going to go out of your way. You're going to protest in public against someone's rights. That's psychotic. I'm sorry. That is li- that's so embarrassing. That is literally so embarrassing. All I can hope is that people have learned from their mistakes and move past that because whew, in the case of this documentary, this came out years ago. And while I do think that there's been some progress, I thought it was a really interesting look into a very, very specific subsection of this fight for gay rights. And for me, the fact that it was set in Maryland, again, it just blows me because great choice. And at the end of the documentary, you see them lobbying everyone to vote against the referendum to overturn gay marriage. And then you see them winning and then celebrating. And it's honestly very emotional. It's a very beautiful little moment in the film. hilarious is that at the very end, they also show this one pastor who'd really been lobbying against all of this, the whole documentary. And he was like, oh, we lost. So we're going to try again. And honestly, it was kind of a close race. It was a little scary. I was watching again, knowing full well what happened, both in terms of this and also the Supreme Court case in 20. 15 that legalized same-sex marriage. And also, you know, I'd seen the documentary before, but I was watching and I was like, oh my God, what's going to be? Like they really build up the suspense in this. There's also an interesting part with this gospel singer, Tone, who though I love gospel music, I hadn't heard of him, but this gospel singer, Tone, and he was talking about his experience as a gay man and eventually an openly gay man in the church and as a gospel singer, which pissed a lot of people off and brought him a ton of criticism. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me by your name, I'll be on the way. By the way, just the the concept of like a gay lifestyle, which so many people love to say is so funny to me because when people say, I've I've heard older black people say this so often, like, oh, I don't have any problems with gay people. I just don't agree with their lifestyle. Like lifestyle, what does that mean? Is there a straight lifestyle? Like what is a gay lifestyle? Do you mean gay sex? Because because that seems like what you mean by by the lifestyle. That's just something that comes up a lot. And I think this was touched on in the documentary Disclosure. There's this fascination with the sexual aspect of anyone who is not straight or cis. People immediately always jump to the sexual stuff. Like nobody's even talking about that. People are like, hey, can we get married? Can we get some health care or a bathroom? And everybody wants to jump on to like, so what, what are you doing in the bedroom? What's in your pants? And it's a weird fascination. It often comes up from people who tend to agree that discussing sexual things is bad. And yet that's what they keep clinging to when it comes to anybody within the LGBTQ community. Like it doesn't make any sense. For some reason though, I have no memory of this election happening. I love Maryland. I don't know what I had going on in November, 2012, but oh, actually I was applying to colleges then. So I had a lot going on, but I have no memory of this. So I was like, it kind of was reliving something that I lived through, but wasn't completely cognizant of because 
I was, you know, busy like applying to college, being on Tumblr, hanging out. I have no idea what I was doing. I was like 16. I thought though this documentary was honestly very touching. It really moved me. And it really, you know, it's like boots on the ground. This is what's happening now. It tells the story. It really ties everything together. Lots of great conversations. I really enjoyed the historical aspect of it too. And I do wish that there was a little bit more of that. And I also wish, I don't know if this is just like a a masochistic thing, but I kind of wish that they dove deeper into the mentality of the people who are on the opposition besides just them being like, oh, I think it's wrong. Like I would have liked to have a few more interviews with them and a few more conversations breaking that down and changing people's minds. Because I do think the one thing is that this documentary assumes you're on the side of of gay people. But if you were to show this to somebody who wasn't, I don't necessarily know if it would convince them of anything. I think that they would watch it and be like, dang, they lost. Man, that guy sure had a point though. You know, so I think they could have dug a little bit deeper into that. I think there were a few more ties that could have been made to history to do that. There could have been more direct discourse between people. And that, you know, that's what I was really curious about. And maybe that's a bigger documentary. Maybe that's a bigger conversation because this one was super, super focused. Overall, I would definitely give this four and a half stars. It really had me emotional, honestly. The first time I ever watched it, I think that I cried. I don't really remember. I don't know. There's there's every so often there's a documentary that I'm like, this was so good that I cried. That's when you know. But it really, it truly was moving. And you know, it's a lot less sad the more time goes on. And now we know all the things that have been passed, all the rights that have been given. So that's great. But it genuinely was a really interesting look at a conversation. And I would love to see an updated version of this documentary being made, maybe still set in Maryland because best state in the country, baby. I would love to see an updated version of this documentary and have someone explore this topic a little bit further. So yeah, four and a half stars. Definitely check it out. I believe it's available right now on Amazon Prime if you want to go take a little look for Pride. And if you enjoyed this episode of 200 and Counting and you want to hear more, make sure that you subscribe or leave me a review here on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like hearing my voice, feel free to follow me on social media platforms. I will post some links in the description so you can keep up with what I'm up to. All right. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.